What a great time this morning has been. What a good job the kids did. Doesn't that just make it feel like Christmas? When you see some kids in toboggans and scarves singing Christmas carols and Christmas songs, it just feels like like Christmas. It's going to be on us momentarily. Like it is knocking on the door of Christmas Day. It, it's a short turnaround this year from Thanksgiving to Christmas. Does anybody feel it? Feel that pressure? to get everything done for Christmas, and sometimes that pressure causes us to just miss it. And uh, so I encourage you this year, don't don't miss out on Christmas because you're trying to check the list off and you're trying to get everything done and you're trying to make sure that everything is perfect and everything is, is just right. Just enjoy the season and enjoy the holiday and, and enjoy the meaning of it and, and what a special time it was with our children here today and this Saturday we actually are going to be having our um, breakfast with Santa so if you can be here and help if you have children want to bring them if you have friends family neighbors relatives whatever it may be that have children Saturday is a great time Um, Santa Claus will be here and we'll be doing free pictures with Santa we'll be having a free breakfast um, that morning Um, there'll be crafts and things like that going on Karen is that right yeah uh, giveaways. We'll be doing giveaways throughout the morning. Um, it's from 9 to 11 this Saturday, so we encourage you to be here again. If you are able to help with that, you can see Karen um, this morning before you go. And um, It's just a, it's a great time with our community and our neighborhood and, and our daycare and, and friends of West Lonsdale. So please, please, please plan on being a, a part of that. Um, this week, I had the, the privilege of speaking to our associational staff at their Christmas party. Um, myself and Emily were there. Emily sang, and and uh, and then I got up and, and spoke for a few minutes. I was a little confused afterwards. I, uh, Emily sang first, and then and then I, I spoke. So I mentioned how she had opened for uh, Reba in the past year, and Josh Turner in the past year, and how she was opening for me. That night, and, and, and afterwards, people were lined up to get their picture made with Emily. And, and I leaned over to her and I said, I don't understand this. You're the opening act. I was the main show, and they're not getting their picture made with me. But um, she, she did a fantastic job. But I, I was supposed to give a devotion, so I did what all good pastors do. I took two messages, combined them into one, and made it a devotion. And so I told him, I said, I, I speak for about 40 minutes each Sunday morning, so you're in for about an hour and a half's worth of devotion. And um, but I managed to compact it a little more than that. But I wanted to share with them the things that we've talked about the last two Sunday mornings in here because I, I am, as I shared with them, I am absolutely obsessed with the way that the story of Christmas is intertwined in the greater narrative of Scripture. Um, a lot of times we, we isolate the Christmas story in Matthew and Luke. And we go, oh, we're going to read the Christmas story. It's in Matthew. It's in Luke. There we go. We're going to read it. We're done. You know, shepherds, wise men, all of this. But the Christmas story is is the entire narrative of Scripture from Genesis to Revelation. It's intertwined within there. And, and so I hope that you've seen over the last couple of weeks that um, while the birth of Jesus is told about in Matthew and Luke, the story of Christmas is 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 the whole of the story of Scripture. And so we've, we've been looking over the last couple of weeks in this series called King because that's exactly what Jesus was. Jesus was a king. He is the king. He is the king of kings. He is the Lord of 
lords. And, and on that particular first Christmas morning, the King of Kings came here to live on earth. He, he came here to, to dwell among men. He, he was spectacular in nature and yet took a, a humble form in, in, in the form of, of man. Don't forget, Jesus predated time. He's an uncreated being, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, the only things that have ever existed outside of, of time and space and, and what we know as reality. It's a weird concept and it sounds weird to talk about. It, 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 it's, it's one of those things that makes us go, wait a minute, I, I don't know about that. Is, is that the truth? But the reality is, is that Scripture is, is very clear in the fact that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit existed before the creation of any anything they're not created every angel is created satan is created the the uh, uh the earth and the heavens and the the stars and the entirety of the universe all of mankind is created but but jesus was not created he simply was he simply existed it's a it's a mind blowing thought almost i've i've shared with you numerous times as a child when i would try to conceive the things of god it would it would literally, I'd lay in my bed at night, because I was kind of a strange kid. I'd lay in bed at night, and, and I would think about eternity. Um, not that strange. I mean, a lot of people think about eternity and think about life after death and all that. But I would, I would try to, to wrap my mind around the length of eternity, and you can't do it. Because we think in linear means. We think in means of time. We, we run our lives by a clock and a, and, and a calendar, and we go, oh, well, on this day at this time, then I have to do this. But... Eternity doesn't function like that. Eternity has no beginning. It has no end. It just simply flows. And I would try to wrap my mind around that, and I would literally lay in bed until I would, would cry because I couldn't conceive of eternity. And Jesus existed in that realm, and then he came here to earth as one of us in a very humble way, a very humble manner. I mean, Jesus could have come in any in a multitude of ways. Jesus could have come and been heralded as the greatest being to ever be born. And make no mistake about it, Jesus could have been born in the most palatial of palaces with uh, the, the greatest of mankind around Him. Um, he could have been born in such a way that everyone on earth would have known that He was born at that time. And, and, and earth was not just simply inhabited in the small region around Jesus, we, we know historically speaking that, that there, were, there were people in South America and there were people um, in Asia and there were people in Europe and I mean there were people in Africa, there were people all over the globe and Jesus could have been born in such a way that, that he could have informed the entire world that he was here. It's how spectacular he was, but yet he chose to come to a, to a teenage mom who is engaged, not yet fully married, even though that engagement was quite a bit different than engagement today. She was engaged, not fully married. They were poor. I mean, she was of a, of a very poor family. Joseph was a, a carpenter, which seems like a good way to make a living, but honestly... Eh. It was a meager way to make a living. The religious leaders of the time considered it more of an act of service than a job. So they were called on many times to do jobs and not paid for it um, because it was considered an act of service and obedience to God. And so um, this was a family that didn't have anything. Not only that, they weren't even in their hometown when he was born. They were in borrowed property. He was laid in a, 
in a manger. I saw a cartoon this week. Leanne showed me this little cartoon clip, a little comic clip. There was two cows standing around looking at the manger and baby Jesus laying in it. And they said, hey, look, there's a baby in the salad. And so there's this, this you know, just this idea that everything around Jesus seemed wrong. Like it just didn't seem like, like Joseph takes Mary away from her home and she goes into labor. Joseph doesn't have a, a, a place for her to be when she's giving birth, and so they have to, to basically beg, borrow, and steal a place to, to give birth to her. There's no doctor around. There's no midwife around. There's, there's no one there except for uh, Joseph and Mary and some animals most likely, and then eventually some shepherds show up that night. It just seemed so wrong, yet it was exactly the way that God had planned it. It almost seems counterintuitive that God would do that. You're like, why would you, God, why would you ever do something like that? Like, God is, is perfect. And when God created, you know, the Garden of Eden and He created heaven and He created earth and He created all the universe, everything was perfect. And he looked at it and He said, this is good, this is good, this is good, this is good. And you just wonder, how could He look at that night and go, this is good, this is good. Teenage mom engaged to a dude that can't support her in a hometown that's not, in a town that's not their own at a place that's not their own, no medical services around to help or deliver this baby. This is perfect, but yet that's exactly what God did. Because in all of time, God ordained that moment for Jesus to be born in that place. And, and we know it wasn't an accident because we looked at, in that first week, we looked at, in, in, God's, in God's purposeful plan, we looked at how He even foretold that it would happen before it happened, hundreds of years before it happened. He foretold it. It was just this amazing plan that God had put into motion. And, and as we look at that, it's kind of a head-scratcher. kind of makes us go, I don't, I don't really know what God was doing, but do we ever really know what God was doing? We don't, because Scripture tells us we don't. His thoughts are not our own. His ways are not our ways. God operates in a different capacity than we do. And the Christmas story is no different than that. And so the first week, we looked at this idea of, of, of the intentionality of God's plan. And then last week, we looked at the purpose of Jesus coming. And, and this week, I want us to dive a little bit deeper into that. I, I want us to begin by looking at, at the story of, of the birth of Jesus with Mary. It's going to show up on the screen here. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Luke chapter 1 and, and follow along with this. This isn't actually the birth of Jesus. This is actually um, when the angel first appears to Mary and informs Mary that, uh, that she was going to give birth to a baby. So I want you to think for just a minute. Put yourself in this place. You're 14, 15, 16, 17 years old. Sitting in your bedroom. Minding your own business. Life is planned out in your mind. Like You've got life figured out. Joseph is in, has proposed to you. You're engaged to him. right? Your family's bartered an agreement. They put you together. And you're going to be married for the rest of your life. And Joseph, while he doesn't have a, make necessarily a great living, he's promised to take care of you. Right? You're going to be just like every other woman in your family. You're going to be married to a good man. You're going to give birth to children. You're going to raise them and you're going to see them become adults. Life has been planned out for you. And then all of a sudden, this moment happens. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. 
Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I am a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be a holy and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she's now in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her just imagine for a moment everything is planned life is perfectly planned out you've got everything just figured out and going anybody in here ever felt like you had life figured out you ever have that point in life where you were like i have got life figured out and then you woke up the next day and all of a sudden you didn't have life figured out right like everything just Mary's got life figured out. She's sitting around in her bedroom that night thinking about it, dreaming about life with Joseph, dreaming about what it's going to be like to be a a wife and a mom and all of these things. And all of a sudden, Gabriel appears to her and he says what? He says, greetings, favored one. And she says, what are you talking about? And he says, you have found favor with God. Now, what he's about to tell her seems like anything but favor. Right? Favor means God's great blessing. It means that you are blessed greatly. You are blessed beyond measure by God. So when he says, greetings, favored one, and he says, you are favored by God, he's saying you are, you are blessed beyond belief. You are blessed beyond imagination. You are blessed beyond measure. And what he's about to tell her doesn't seem like blessing. She's got her life planned out, and all of a sudden he says, listen, you're going you're gonna to have a baby. And Mary probably thought, you know, I, I, yeah, I probably am. I mean, Joseph and I, were going to get married, and I'm going to have lots of babies, and we're going to raise them, and it's going to be a great family, and things are going to be fantastic. And he says, no, 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 you're going to have a baby right now, like, like right now. And Mary struggles with that because she argues back. She says, but how, talking to the wrong girl, you got the wrong address, you're looking for the house two houses down. Not this house, she said, I'm, I'm a virgin, I'm not even married yet, I can't possibly have a child. And he says, no, you're going to. And then on top of that impossible news, he says, but don't worry, it's going to be God's baby. Now, years ago, I had a student who got pregnant and had a baby. Great young man that, that she gave birth to. Fantastic young man now. I, I call him my, my youth grandchild. And uh, um, she, was, she got pregnant while she was in high school. And uh, I got a phone call that she had given birth. Nobody even knew she was pregnant. We, we, we didn't know. We couldn't tell. And I got a phone call that she was in the hospital, so I called her, and, and I had been told that she had given birth. And so I called her, and I was like, Hey, what's going on? And she said, not much. And I said, well, you know, what you doing in the hospital? She said, oh, just had my appendix out. 
And I said, yeah. She said, yeah. I said, well, what'd you name it? And so she told me, and, and, and life was completely different for her from there on. We used to go over and take milkshakes to her at her house, and sit at her house with her while she did her schoolwork, and we would hold her little son and play with him while she did her, her homework. Life changes with a child. Anybody in here, anybody in here that has a baby or has a child, has children, would say, you know what, life was pretty much the same after the kid. Nah. Everything changes. Sleep patterns change. Spending habits change. I was talking to Dylan the other day, and I was showing him like how our budget will change when all of our kids are gone. And Dylan was like, you're going to be rich when we're gone. We're not going to be rich. So don't be like, we need to, next business meeting, change Todd's salary. We're not going to be rich. But I was just like, man, things change when you have kids, right? And Mary's sitting around and God says, Gabriel's saying, listen, you're favored by God. And she's looking at it going, how is this favor, right? Like my life is planned out. My life is perfect. And now you're telling me I'm going to have a child. I'm going to be, I'm going to become pregnant before I'm married in a society that that does not look favorably upon. Like, I live in a society where they, uh, I mean, they kill people for that. Right? Like, they, they, have a, they have people stoned for that. Like, how is that God's favor, Mary would say. But he says, listen, Mary, what did he say? Favored one, you are favored. And what else did he say? Don't be what? Afraid. Don't be afraid. Now, listen, everywhere an angel shows up, they typically toss around the phrase, don't be afraid. Fear not. That typically means that what they're fixing to tell you will bring about fear. But they're also saying it's okay because it's from God. So it's going to be all right. So Mary in this story, she's, she's sitting on her bed, hanging out, dreaming about life as it will be. And all of a sudden this angel shows up and says, listen Mary, things are about to change. Things are going to be different for you. Your life's about to take a different path. And so I want us to see today that there was a planned purpose. There was a purposeful plan to make a difference in lives when it came to the story of Jesus. There's a slide that says that. If you'll pop that up there, Dylan, real quick. There we go. God's purposeful plan brings difference to lives. That's what I want us to see today. God's plan through the story of Christmas was to bring difference into the lives of people. And, and I want us to see that first of all, just like last week, as we were talking about this idea of purpose, that this difference that we talk about is intertwined within the story of Christmas. It's intertwined from the, from the beginning to the end. We see it in Mary's story. We see that God brought difference in the life of Mary. Mary had a plan. She had a, she had a goal. She was heading towards it. And all of a sudden the angel shows up and Gabriel says, listen, things are going to be different. But it wasn't just with Mary. Look at Joseph too. Look at this in, the story, in Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1 says this. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before his marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her fiancé, I, I don't know why it always changes that, was a good man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. 
As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. But he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born, and Joseph named him Jesus. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby. We skipped on. I was going to say, that's not part of the story. Hold right there for a second, Dylan. Joseph had a plan too. Joseph was going to marry Mary, and they were going to live happily ever after. And all of a sudden, Mary comes in one day and she says, Joseph, I've got to tell you something. Joseph, sit down. Good news never follows with sit down. She walked in and she said, Joseph, sit down. I've got to tell you something. I'm pregnant. And Joseph probably became quite angry. Probably something to the effect of, how could you? Something to the effect of, I have a legal arrangement with your family. Something to the effect of, we're engaged to be married. How could you do this to me? How could you betray me in such a way? How could you fail your family in such a way? How could you do this to your family, to my family, to me? I'm an honorable man, Scripture tells us. Joseph was an honorable man. I'm an honorable man. How could you do this to me? We had a plan. She said, Joseph, it's not anybody else's, it's God's. And he said, (laughs) whatever. And he leaves. The scripture says he was going to send her away quietly. Joseph, he didn't want to embarrass her. He could have brought her up on public charges. He could have technically had her stoned for adultery. But instead, scripture says, because he's a good man, because he loved her, because he cared for her family's reputation, I'm sure of it, he was going to just send her away quietly. Nobody has to know. Just go and have the baby and then return some other time with some other man and you can just claim the baby's his and we'll just say that things didn't work between us. He's going to send her off. And all of a sudden, an angel appears and tells Joseph, don't be afraid to marry Mary and make her your wife. For the child she's going to have, it's not her own. It's not yours. It's God's. You know what he told him in this moment? He said this. He said, listen, Mary's fixing to give birth to the Son of God. You know the Son of God that you've been reading about every time you go to temple? You know the Messiah that we've all been looking forward to? Mary's fixing to have him, and guess what? It's your responsibility to raise him. Well, that's that's not a big deal, right? I'm just raising the Son of God to be a good man. He brought difference to Joseph's life. Joseph had a plan. But that plan was interrupted. But we don't just see it in that. Look in Luke chapter 2, beginning with verse 8. It says, That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them, and they were terrified. Because apparently angels are terrifying. But the angel reassured them, Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize Him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. 
The, the shepherds were just doing what shepherds do. They were out at night. They were a peculiar lot. They were antisocial. They were dirty. They were kind of at the bottom rung of society. They worked all night, and they were out in the fields at night making sure that, that nobody bothered the flocks. I, I, don't, I don't need to go through a lot of this because you guys know this story. Angel appears and says, listen, Jesus has been born, and you're going to go see him. You're going to be the audience. You're going to be the witnesses. right? Like You're going to be the herald. You're going to be the one that goes and tells everybody. And then all of a sudden, an entire host, an entire military detachment of angels show up in terrifying fashion. And they began to shout out praises to Jesus. They began to shout out praises to God. And that, that group of angels were there watching over the birth of Jesus. And these shepherds look up and they go, but wait, we're supposed to be watching the sheep. And they say, nope, you've got a greater purpose tonight. And they brought difference to them. And all of a sudden, the bottom rung of society is running through the streets of town. Screaming, the Messiah has been born, the Messiah has been born, the Messiah has been born. And they were probably ridiculed, and they were probably made fun of, because here's what we know. We know that nowhere in the Bible does it say that the shepherds went and told the town, and the town showed up to see Jesus. They just simply didn't listen. But that didn't matter. Because the shepherds had a different purpose that night. We see this idea of difference intertwined within the story of the birth of Jesus. But that difference was meant for more than just that one episode. It was meant for everyone. The difference that the Christmas story brought to lives wasn't just meant for the people that surrounded the story. The cast of characters within that story. The other night I had the pleasure of, of going with my wife and my mother-in-law and, and Leanne's cousin to see A Christmas Carol at the Clarence Brown Theater. We, we didn't expect to go. Um, we were leaving Leanne's work on Friday and we got a text message that said, hey, we've got two tickets to Christmas Carol. Would you like to go? And so Leanne and I love theater and so we went and, and we saw it. Spectacular performance of, of A Christmas Carol. And um, while we were while we were sitting there, I was, I was watching the story, and it's a it's a story that tells the redemption of Ebenezer Scrooge, but it's a story that resonates with so many people, not just the cast of characters, not just Charles Dickens, not just the people that lived at the time in in the in the early to mid 1800s when Charles Dickens wrote that story somewhere around 18 I don't know 35 1840, but it resonates throughout time, right? The impact of that story didn't just impact the people around it, but the, the moral of it carries on. Well, the difference that was brought into the lives of people in the Christmas story wasn't just meant for the cast of characters within the Christmas story, but it was meant for every human being that would ever take breath and live on this earth. It was a difference that was meant to infuse life in people and eradicate death within them. Look at a couple of passages of Scripture. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. Move on to the next one, Dylan. Colossians 3.9 says, Don't lie to each other for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your Creator and become like Him. Look at this, but forget all that. It is nothing in Isaiah 43. It is nothing compared to what I am going to do. For I am about to do something new. See, I've already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness and I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. 
we see throughout Scripture this idea that God wants to bring difference in the life of every person. What do we know about people? We, we just looked at it in a series before this, if you were here for that. We looked at a whole series about man's just infatuation with sin nature and how we just we like to walk the line of, 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 of godliness and sinfulness. Like we like to be right there in the what we like to call the gray zone. God doesn't really have a gray zone, but we've created a gray zone. Like for God, it's very black and white. It's very right and wrong. It's very true or, or false. But for us, we've created this little no-man's land in the middle called the gray area. And we like to walk in that gray area. Where the people around us feel like we're like them, but where we feel like we're, we're fooling God enough to make Him think that we're like Him. And now God's not fooled, but we, we, we like to live in that little gray area, right? And so, as we, as we forge our way through that, we know that man is sinful. Scripture tells us that. We saw it from the very beginning, right? In Genesis chapter 3. Man denies God, follows Satan in the fall. Satan, somewhere between creation and this point, has fallen away from God. He's now trying to pull God's prized creation. Satan must have been terribly jealous of man. He must have been terribly jealous of our relationship with God. It was enough to cause him to walk away from everything that God had given him. The light bearer. The beautiful creation of God. The Old Testament tells us about the beauty of Satan and, and of Lucifer and all that God had given him and all that God had granted him and yet he decided to exalt himself. He thought he would exalt himself above God. How jealous he must have been of us. And so when he couldn't exalt himself above God, then he decided that he would pull us down to his level. And we willingly followed him. He tempted Adam and Eve and they fell and man has been sinful ever since. And what the Scripture tells us, it says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And for the wages of sin is what? It's death. But the gift of God is life. You see, here's what we know. We know that man was sinful. We know that man had fallen away from God, yet God used the Christmas story to introduce difference into the lives of people. A difference that we learn throughout passages of Scripture will take the old self of us and strip it off and put a new self within us. It will take the old sinful desiring to be rebellious to God's self, strip it away, and instead insert into us the desire to follow God above all else. Now, we don't always do it. We fail and we fall and we falter. Anybody in here in your walk with Christ ever not failed Him in some way? If so, I just we want to bring you up here and applaud you. Because you have done something that no other man has been able to do. No other woman has been able to do. We still fail and we still fall. right? We still falter. We still trip up. We still stumble. But yet God is always right there waiting. Why? Because there's a difference in our life when Christ comes in. And He didn't just mean that difference. He didn't just mean that repurposing for the people that were involved in the Christmas story, but He meant it for us all. And what we see is not just that that difference is intertwined in the story, and not just that it was meant for more than just that one episode, but we see that that difference is a gift. It's a gift to you and it's a gift to me. It brings freedom from a life possessed by struggle and failure and sin. A life filled with destruction and disappointment. Life's not perfect after Jesus. Right? But it ends in perfection. Whereas before, it's just not perfect and ends in destruction. They're like, there's no real option there. 
Like without Jesus, life is not perfect. With Jesus, life is not perfect. But perfection waits at the end. It it drives me insane when I hear people preach prosperity gospel. It drives me insane when I hear people preach that if you have enough faith, then you will be rich enough. You will be healthy enough. You will be smart enough. You will be good enough. You will be all of these things. Listen, you won't be all of those things just because you have faith in Christ. Some of the most faithful people that I have ever met in my life, more faithful than I am to the cause of Christ, have been put through some of the most horrendous circumstances you've ever seen in your life. Put in prison. Tortured. Beaten. Ostracized. Loss of their jobs. Their families abused. And yet they continue to follow Christ with such a closeness. And you're telling me that those people's faith is not strong enough? No, with Christ, life is not perfect. But with Christ, life is forgiven and perfection waits at the end. That's the gift of God. The gift of God is not a perfect life on earth. There is no perfect life on earth. Life on earth is filled with disappointment and it's filled with failure and it's filled with heartbreak, but it's also filled with happiness and good times and joy. It's filled with all of those things, but life on earth with Christ is filled with peace. It's filled with hope. It's filled with a never-ending joy. It's filled with all of those things. When the tragic circumstances in life happen, if we rely on Christ, His joy will permeate through those things. That's the gift of God. Not a perfect life here on earth. Life here on earth is inconsequential outside of coming to know Christ. Listen, that's a blow to some of our egos. Some of our egos say, listen, I'm important. Some of our egos say, I'm a big person. Some of our egos say, man, life revolves around me. But the reality is, is that in the grand scheme of things, life on this earth is inconsequential. I don't care who you are, what you do, how much you make. Life on this earth is inconsequential outside of your choice to follow Jesus. Because that choice makes an eternal difference. And the ability to follow Jesus is a gift. It's a free gift. I'll never forget at Upward one Saturday when Vic did the devotion and he pulled out, I think it was a, it was either a $10 bill or a $20 bill. I forget what it was. Whatever it was, it came from Vicky because Vic doesn't carry that kind of cash with him. And he pulled it out. Was it a five? Jeff said it was a five. So it might have been Vic's but it would have been in crumpled $1 bills if it was Vicks. And so he pulls out a $5, and he says, listen, I've got this. It's for anybody that wants it, just come up and get it. Just come up and get it. And everybody just sat there. And Vic was like, I'm, I'm serious. I'm just, it's here. Just come up and get it. And finally, one guy came up and got it and took it and kind of walked off, and Vic said, that's yours. i like, that's yours. And his He drew out the comparison of God offering us a free gift, but yet we are so reluctant to embrace it. God is sitting there literally. Listen, we just talked about it. Scripture says, for all of sin and fall short of the glory of God. says that the, the wages of sin is death, but it says the gift of God. The gift of God that was founded on that first Christmas morning. Jesus brought salvation. And it was a free gift of God to each one of us. It was a gift that He gave to us. The wise men presented gifts that night. 
We see it in Matthew 2.11. They gave gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. Strange gifts, but very telling gifts at that particular time. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. Strange gifts to give a baby. Like weird gifts. One of them was a burial sense that you embalm bodies with. Blocks of gold. Now, Joseph was probably happy with that. He was probably like, yeah, bring on more of that, right? Very lavish gifts, very expensive gifts, very strange gifts for a baby. Especially a poor carpenter's child. And yet here they come, this large processional. We don't know how many there are. We like to imagine there were three. We don't know. There's stories written about a fourth one. We don't know how many there were. There might have been a hundred of them. We don't know, but they showed up, they walk in, they present these gifts, they walk out. Gifts were a part of that early story, but Jesus was the gift. Jesus was the gift to us. Listen, this Christmas, Jesus is offering the gift of difference in your life. Look at Matthew 1, 21 as we close. It says, and she, this is the angel talking to Joseph again, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will what? Save his people from their sins. In the greater narrative of the Bible, we see that sin is the downfall of man. It's the destruction of man. And yet here sits, in a conversation with a carpenter, an angel of the Lord, who says, your fiancé is going to give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. Which means Savior, but also was a very common name at that particular point in time. Yeshua. For he will save his people from their sins. Jesus is offering a gift this Christmas. It's a free gift. That's why it's called a gift. It won't cost you anything to receive it. And what comes with it? Newness. The old gone, the new brought in. Jesus is the gift that brings renewed life the security of eternity, and forgiveness of sins. Don't go this Christmas and receive all of the gifts that will be under the tree. And there will be gifts under the tree. In our house, there will be lots of gifts under the tree. Don't go through this Christmas and receive all of the gifts that are under the tree and fail to receive the gift that Jesus is offering freely. A gift of forgiveness of sins. The gift of the promise of eternity. The gift of enduring forgiveness and joy and hope this Christmas. Would you pray with me this morning? Jesus, we just love you. And God, we thank you, Lord, for the opportunity that we have to be given such a great gift from you. Lord, you 
you want to give the gift of difference. And God, I, I can't think of many people in this world that wouldn't say, I want things to be different. There are things about me, there are things about my life that I would change. Decisions that I've made. Things that I've done. There are things that I would like to just wipe from my slate. And God says, okay. Okay. I can do that. I can forgive all of those things in your past. They're not going to magically disappear, but I'll never see them again. And I can put inside you a desire to walk away from those things and to choose right and to do right. But more than that, when the hard times come, when the failures come, when the struggles come, I can impart in you a hope and a joy. And God, we thank you for that. And Jesus, I pray this morning that if there's anyone in this room that has never received the free gift that You offer of salvation, that this morning, Lord, they would this Christmas season accept the gift that You offer of forgiveness of sins. The gift that You offer of an eternal hope. But God, if there's those in the room that know You, Lord, I pray that You would remind them that You gave them the gift of eternity. You gave them the gift of salvation to make a difference in their life. A difference, Lord, that was not meant for them, but meant for, it for others. Lord, that they are to live their life in such a way that they celebrate and honor every day the decision that they made to follow You. That they celebrate and honor every day the gift of eternal life that You've given them. And God, they live it out in such a way that other people see that they've received the gift and that they would desire it as well. God, difference draws people. Difference allows people to see the great work that You've done in us. So God, may we be different this season. May we not be like everyone else. Lord, You've changed our plans. Now may we change the way we live life. Lord, I pray that if You're speaking to anyone's heart this morning, that You would give them strength and courage to respond as we ask all this in Your precious and holy name. Amen. I'm going to ask